Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy, Seth, Seth Robinson. Are you out there? I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm not having any technical difficulties, but I know you are, unfortunately, huh? Oh, my gosh. Yes, what a morning. My, my cable modem died. I rushed to Staples, bought a new one, got back in with about 30 minutes to spare before we were doing our recording here, got the modem all plugged in, got on with the cable company to activate it, and then my wireless router will not, that I, we shut it off to, you know, to activate everything and it will not turn back on. So I think hmm. I've got to go out and buy a router now too, um, <laughs> after we're done with Bali today. Yeah, super Friday. Yeah, sounds like it. I'm I'm here at the office and everything is working great so far. Um, of course, as soon as I say that, watch something will will go haywire here. But uh, I'm glad that you were able to make it. I mean, you know, the the show must go on, so I'm glad that you were able to, to find well, a way. I'm on my I'm on my I'm on my cell phone here, so hopefully uh, it all works out. But um, yep, I I wouldn't miss it. You know that. I know. I know. So we're we're kicking off Cybersecurity Awareness Month here, and we talked about uh, CompTIA's cybersecurity report a few episodes ago, but since it is officially Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we wanted to revisit the topic. And since you and I did our own jabbering about the topic, we thought that it would be really good to get a guest. Uh, so we reached out to someone who has been uh, a part of CompTIA for a while, a really good uh, friend of ours, uh, and is now over in London uh, at a conference and getting ready for another conference, CompTIA's AmiaCon. Ian Thornton Trump is the head of cybersecurity for Amtrust International. And like I said, we've known him a long time and he's super passionate about this topic. So Ian, thanks for joining us. I'm so delighted to be here today, guys. And just, you know, not only is it cybersecurity awareness, it is absolutely vital. I feel like it should be cybersecurity month every month. <laughs> we could use it, You're that's pretty- for sure. Yeah, you're right about that, for sure. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you, Ian. Thank you. I am uh, broadcasting today from a undisclosed location in central London that may or may not resemble a beer hall, so I do apologize if there's a little bit of boisterous background laughter. Oh, see, I just I thought that was just the cybersecurity conference. Uh... <laughs> Located in a beer hall. <laughs> what, what better way to, to, to kick off cybersecurity month, right? Yeah. So, uh, so Ian, at the beginning of the month here, and and just kind of getting into the topic, we we talked a little bit about you know the details of CompTIA's report on our previous podcast. But I just kind of wanted to get from you at the, at the very highest level here. What do you think is the the biggest thing, kind of getting in the way of companies getting to where they want to be? You know, like you said, we, you think that we should have this every month, and it does seem like there's a need for it. This is a a problem that probably can never totally be figured out, but we, we actually don't even seem to be making as much progress as we would like. So what do you think is the big deal? Well, I think the big deal is pure chaos right now. I think digital transformation didn't get security to the table early enough in those discussions. And as a result, what we're seeing is not even like a lot of malicious bad guy activity. And we can talk, uh, you know, about that specifically. But we're seeing hundreds, if not millions of records being disclosed from like public cloud services because IT departments, maybe even security departments, unfamiliar with the technology, unfamiliar with the security controls, 
And the incentive is to try and move to digital as fast as we can. So what happens is all we do is we start disabling security. I know, like I just get chills when that is said in order to get it to work. And then when it is working, everybody forgets um, and away we go. And sometimes the disconnection is, is really apparent in that and compliance and risk may not even be aware of um, the latest introduction of, you know, a SaaS vendor or cloud services. All of this stuff can be done and sort of bypass the traditional controls that we had when we were dealing with on-premise infrastructure. So long answer to, to quite a big problem. It is a big problem, and I'm thinking about, you know, how you're talking about digital transformation here and how that has led us to the situation that we're in right now. What are some of the stop gaps that can be put in place or best practices that you would recommend that organizations undergo from, a, you know, the CIO's level or IT department level, but also for those third-party channel providers who are specializing in security? What are, what, what are some of the things that you recommend that they need to be doing as basic table stakes to make sure that we are locking things down in this era of digital transformation? That's a great question. So here's my thoughts on it. If you start the project, say we're going to do a migration from an on-premise mail solution to a cloud-based provider, okay? If no one in the room understands or what that cloud-based provider has in terms of security controls and or actually just how to get the migration done, it is time to reach out to one of those channel partners or a, a VAR of some sort that has a track record of successfully delivering that kind of project. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is take a good look and work with the vendor to try and understand what security controls they have. If they don't have multi-factor authentication, if they don't have a way to give you telemetry, i.e. logging from that particular solution, then that solution may not be appropriate. And so I truly believe that in this era of SaaS solutions and cloud providers, your actual cybersecurity effort, believe it or not, blue team starts at procurement. If you're not at the table doing a bunch of security controls analysis of your next business partner, I think what ends up happening is you just inherit a hairy mess that you don't understand much about how it works, even less about how to secure it, and you end up kind of writing your own death warrant. And I, I see this a lot of times on, in companies that are looking for now cloud security architects because what they've done is they've taken their business, they've gotten like 70 to 80% of it to the cloud. It's that 20 to 30% that they're really struggling with because either they can't get it to the cloud or the, the, the risk of the data or the processes that they have is such that they're very uncomfortable about putting it into the cloud without the proper uh, security controls for it. And the security controls are fundamentally different than the ones that we've been comfortable with for years, right? What we're talking about now are a bunch of security controls that evolve around identity and access management as opposed to preventative or restrictive controlled environments. So as you're talking there, I'm thinking about some of the findings that we had in our report and, and the complexity of security, which is definitely coming out in your description there. And I'm, I'm wondering, in your opinion, how much of this is really process and, and simply doing the right thing in the right order, maybe reaching out to the right people, 
So it's, it's process stuff that isn't going to require investment and how much of it is pure investment where they need to put out money and they maybe need to put out more money for security than they've done in the past. And, and then they kind of have to come to grips with that. Uh, how, how much would you say is on either side of that equation? I think if you've been in business for 10 years, your technical debt is almost A, unmanageable, and B, unfathomable. And I think there's a real problem in the industry of pushing stuff forward that is no longer fit for purpose. As an example, there are plenty of applications out there that cannot actually manage a password larger than eight characters. And as we've seen with the way you can now use Hashcat in multiple rigs with multiple cores and CPUs, an eight-character password is just completely not acceptable anymore. So what we're seeing now is security requirements that evolved. Uh, you know, when you look at ISO 27001 and NIST, we've seen those security requirements evolve. But in a lot of cases, the businesses um, have not made the investment in the ancient technology that they're running their business on. And in a lot of cases, they're just not going to be able to meet that requirement and they're going to get risk that basically multiplies for every year that, that you're not addressing it. So I think that's the first point. And I think the second point is, is the vendors to a certain extent bear some of this responsibility. They need to give companies paths that upgrade them to a new and more secure implementation of their product. I, I know in particular a specialized medical vendor who has now gotten rid of Flash that Adobe Flash that was part of their application stack. They have gotten rid of the requirement for local admin privileges to run their application. And they have now secured the information between the client and server architecture with encryption. All three great moves from a security perspective. But they need to incentivize those customers. So what I like to say is the upgrade should be free or it should be at a very reasonable price and the price for outdated software should escalate to the point where it just becomes untenable for most businesses to pay. Yeah, in, in lieu of that happening on the vendor side, I just wanted to follow up real quick and ask like, if there has to be more investment here, or if they have to think about it differently, how much of that is on like the security practitioner to be able to quantify those costs or, or to say, you know, here's the ROI or here's the cost if we don't do this. I don't think that that's something that they've done very much in the past. And that seems like a skill that they need to build. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, basically the cost benefit analysis as well as building a coherent business case for a security or IT investment is a real art. And, and a lot of the times this falls to a combination of project managers and business analysts with technical architects playing a role that is usually, you know, as I said, technical as opposed to business focused. I look at it this way. I need three inputs to be successful. The first is the business has to have a strategic plan. Like where are they going? What are they doing? What do they want to achieve? Right? Then there has to be an IT life cycle plan. What do we got? What is going to be replaced? And you know, how are we going to bring this all together? And then the last plan, which I think is probably the hardest one to come up, what is the data protection strategy? Based on where the business is going, what the IT life cycle um, is going to be, 
what are the data protection controls and investments that I need to make? And I think if you're in an organization where those plans are ambiguous or they don't exist, it's really going to be tough for you to deliver something of value to the organization. Because ultimately, security, I think, is about being a business enabler as opposed to a cost center. I think we crossed that Rubicon about 2013, 2014, where, where the extreme results of a data breach on the regulatory side and on the brand side have now made security a business enabler and I see this at the supply chain too where you know if you're starting to go into business with another company they want to know all about your cybersecurity and what you're doing there and you know they want proof they want ISO 27001 they want pen test results it's really quite an invasive process now and it never was before so I've seen IT security as being business enablement um, and growing I like I like that thread very much, Ian. And, and the question I had for you is, all that you've spoken about, about security being strategic, security now moving from being a cost center to a business enabler, you know, because we've heard so much about the data breaches and the impact financially they can have. I think large corporations, the enterprise, they get it. I mean, they have a team devoted to, to working on their security infrastructure and strategic plans. How do we take that downstream, though, and get... SMB level companies to take security seriously because in a lot of the studies we do is SMBs um, don't they, they they read a headline about one of these giant data breaches and think that's not applicable to me and yet the reality is the large corporations can weather those storms financially in most cases uh, a small company that is breached could very well be out of business the next morning because they just don't have the financial resources. So what is the message that has to get out there to get these small, small companies, which make up obviously the, the bulk of the, of the U.S. economy, um, to get it? Yeah, so it's really good. Um, it's not just about scary stories because there's plenty of those out there. I really right. like it when you get a lecture from your local FBI agent and he talks about cases in your general geographic area that involve fraud, business email compromise, ransomware attacks, and things like that. Also, another really, really good resource to tie into, of course, you know, I'll plug CompTIA and its newsletter. Uh, Got to do that. But what I'm seeing, too, is talk to your insurance agent. Ask them, hey, if we get a ransomware attack, what can you do to help me out? Because to be honest, and I agree 100%, in SMB land, there's a tendency to try to avoid the really ugly and risky type of scenarios. But at the same time, you need to understand that those people, in a lot of cases, have got their life's work in that business. It's what they're planning right. on passing over to their kids. So that really you need to start talking about trying to sell a business that isn't worth anything or trying to pass on an asset to your children that is no longer worth anything because it got cyber attacked and the regulator and all the other expenses exceeded the value of the business. Starting to see that, I, and I mean, the cynic in me says, if you're running a medical clinic right now with shoddy security, your exit strategy is to declare bankruptcy and move to a different state and start your practice up again. That's the cynical approach. 
On the other side, I'm seeing it as a, a situation where between the regulator and the cost of the actual ransomware incident, the loss of confidence in the clinic itself to protect data, all of those things combined to, to make the business no longer viable. So I think it's, I think it's time to really talk about the consequences uh, of one incident. You know, you're looking the wrong way and you cross the street and wham, and you know, the hospital bills, the rehabilitation, all of that kind of stuff. That's essentially what cybercrime does to you. And, um, you know, don't take it from me or, or, or a guy that's been on the end of incident responding to businesses that are in absolute crisis. Talk to the local law enforcement people um, and, and get their perspective on the situation and, uh, and also the Chamber of Commerce's to, to really, so that you understand what those risks are today. And of course, you know, the, your underwriter um, will be more than happy to take your money for a uh, cyber <laughs> liability insurance policy, right? That's true. I wanted to shift gears a little bit because uh, there's a lot that I'm sure we could keep diving into at the technical level and kind of the, the, the business management level. But another level that we've been looking at for a long time and, and I think is starting to turn a little bit is the workforce level where everyone in a company is now using technology extensively in their day-to-day -day job. Yeah. And that creates a risk. And I think the initial take was, oh, well, you need to get out there and do education and training and fishing simulations and all this stuff. And I feel like in our recent report, we're starting to see the data turn a little bit to where companies are doing that now. They're doing the education. They're doing the training. Uh, some of the things that we would have thought would be best practice. But it seems like they're still not sure if that's effective or not. So is that becoming kind of a, a risk mitigation balancing thing where, where companies have to say, here's how much we're going to invest. I recognize that it's not going to completely solve the problem, but uh, you know, additional investment will have diminishing returns. What are, what are you seeing out there? Well, I, I'm seeing actually three sort of really interesting dynamics. The, the first is, depending on what regulatory authority your business um, would be subject to, including a myriad of different state privacy laws, the user security awareness training is almost considered mandatory as part of the handling of confidential or sensitive data. So I think that's one part of it. The second thing is, is the studies have shown us that aware users really do make a huge difference in your cybersecurity posture. And by aware users, I mean users that aren't just going to change the banking information because someone sends them an email or transfer funds or buy a whole bunch of uh, gift cards and scratch the backs off and mail those off to bad people. Um, so, so I think when you look at user awareness training, we're getting more savvy. Um, the third thing is a really interesting kind of thought experiment. I honestly think that due to the fact that businesses are trying to, you know, shed headcount to be more efficient, more optimizing, we are actually getting, if you can believe this, smarter people. And we're getting folks that aren't just incentivized to follow the same process over and over again. What we're actually asking folks to do is think about what they're doing and they have both the scope of a job and a broad authority 
to make sure that there are checks and balances and verifications taking place. You know, I look at the way business email compromise attacks are, are taking place on organizations, and I see a lot of cases there's disconnects and silos between departments, right? So if I um, go through a customer service rep and change my banking information for a payment, the actual folks that make those payments are completely removed from that, um, that process. But when you're dealing with a customer account rep that will change that information, knows who you are, has an established process to follow that requires verification pro, uh, steps, then all of a sudden you become a hard target for those business email compromise attacks. And this is where I see it really playing out. And the non-scientific data I have on this is when you look at ransomware attacks on small municipalities and state organizations, this is why we see this area as being a very ripe um, target for cyber criminals. Because these jobs, in a lot of cases, are demoralizing. They're very process-driven. Um, they're very siloed. There's not a lot of cross-communication, and as a result of that, you get um, huge amounts of business email compromise targeted attacks, as well as, of course, uh, the ransomware uh, attacks, which have made national and international headlines. All right. Well, I'm fully depressed now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually wanted to switch gears a little bit just for one, one other question related more to the business side of security. and. And I, I, I'm curious about your thoughts, Ian, on the whole designation of a managed security service provider versus an MSP that does security. And if you could help me understand uh, the difference there and whether or not you think that distinction of an MSSP is one that is particularly valid. And if you're a customer, you should be looking at who cares about security. You should be looking for somebody like that if you're going to outsource. Yeah, so you know what? I, my belief is that every MSP is, is doing security. The title of MSSP is bequeathed by CompTIA in a ceremony um, with candles. No. So here's what I, what I think about MSSP. If you have specialized skills that you bring to the security table, like say SOC as a service, um, user, user awareness training, although I'd argue that most MSPs should be providing user awareness training to their to their customers, but incident response, digital forensics, um, things like that, I, okay, I'm going to call you a managed security service provider, but I don't really know a whole lot of MSSPs that aren't also doing, you know, the basics, right? There are a few out there that are only specializing in security, but at the end of the day, if you're an MSP and you've evolved into an MSSP, unless you're prepared to fire, you know, a third to two thirds of your customers, you're still doing network operations, you know, server support, end user support, desktop, you know, you name it. Um, I, I feel like if, you, if truly your book of business is we only do incident response, we only do pen tests, we only do audits, then sure, I'll call you an MSSP. Yep, I think you and I are aligned on that, on, uh, on that thought. Seth, anything else? No, yeah, I think that that uh, does line up with kind of the environment right now. And like you were talking about before, Ian, I, I think that the, the whole environment is evolving and, and that evolution could keep us talking, you know, for the next couple hours. It obviously, you know, keeps you busy at conferences and, and speaking and, and doing your job as head of cybersecurity. But it's really interesting to see how companies are starting to approach this and, and need 
some specific help, uh, you know, beyond the, the generalist help that they've had in the past. And there, there's going to continue to be space here for, for everyone to do that, but it really is becoming something that they need to think about more seriously. And, and that was kind of the, the point of our whole report is that this is becoming critical business operation, not just uh, a good wrapper for your IT stuff. So yeah, we really appreciate your thoughts and uh, we wish you the best of luck at EMEA next week. Are you going to be there like the whole time or are you just going to present I'm, on I'm, Monday and then you're getting out of there? I'm, I've got a bunch of meetings on the Monday, so I'll be in and out. But Tuesday, I'm going to be there the full day to take in and embrace uh, the community here. Um, I really enjoy these moments with CompTIA. I, I have to say that they have been there for me through my career. I've done a number of the exams and you know as a member of the global faculty I get to do events and uh, stand up and, and talk about the state of the industry the one piece of information though that I think we, we can end on is this this skill set shortage we're at a critical juncture right now where we not only are faced with the cohort of retiring baby boomers, we are in a position right now where we have tons of new technology on the periphery on the horizon the upskilling that needs to occur and the new recruits that need to occur is, is phenomenal. I only look at major um, projects like the rollout of 5G that is going to take place and all of the services and network security um, that are going to fall out under 5G. It's the most exciting time. We just need to make sure that we don't make it the most dangerous time. Well, Ian, it's great having you on, um, and uh, hopefully you can uh, return, and, and maybe uh, we'll be talking about happier things, but I don't think security issues are ever going to go away, so it's good to have the experts out there who can help us figure out well, best practices and what we should be doing. For sure. So, Ian, uh, thanks again, and we will talk to you again soon. Sounds great, guys. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Bye.